Welcome to Making Things Right, an invitation to restoring LGBTQ plus faith. I'm your host, Brian Nitzel. If you're tired of the debates and the division around faith and sexuality, if you're interested in more productive ways to engage and solution together and bridge divides between Christian and LGBTQ plus communities, then I think this is for you. So welcome to the table and welcome to Making Things Right. Today's episode is entitled Three Chapters, and it's my story. Um, Believe it or not, I'm kind of a private guy. I don't always share my story. And I think a lot of that is because I really respect a lot of different stories. You know, I came to certain conclusions about God and sexuality, and but not everyone comes to the same conclusions, and I really respect that. And yet, I have a pretty cool story of how my faith and my beliefs, my relationship with God changed course over the years, and it's important to me. And I hope if it can be important to you, then I'm all in, hmm. you know, if it can help you make sense of these types of things for you or your loved ones. Preview in the next couple episodes, you'll hear lots of stories. You'll hear LGBTQ stories of friends of mine, their experiences with faith and family. You'll hear a couple stories of my friends Greg and Lynn and F. Stacy. They're both conservative Christian parents whose kids came out and they had to make sense of all of that, kind of navigate their own crossroads. Today's episode is about my crossroads. Um, And how I navigated that. And it wasn't what I expected in life, but it's what happened. And I, I would say my story is kind of in three chapters, before that crossroads, at that crossroads, and the road that I've taken since. And I've been lucky, and I hope some of you have too, of having a friend who has walked through every one of those chapters. Well, two out of the three. Two out of the three? Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for 30 years. Yes. We are older than that, <laughs> just by a little bit. So there's a there's a portion of your life and in, in your growing up years yes. uh, that I was not a part of. Yes, yes. And so now you heard that wonderful new voice on the mic, and that's my longtime friend of 30 years, Sarah Renner, to help me kind of walk through my story today. Welcome, Sarah. Glad to be here. Yeah. I was thinking about, it was funny, I was so nervous about, I wasn't really nervous about this, but I'm a private guy. Like, so, and last night we sat on the couch with a good glass of wine and started walking through my story. And you're like my memory, like you remember stuff that I don't and you observed things differently than I did. And so it'll be fun to walk through this with you. Yeah. But before then, let's just learn a teeny bit about you so they know who the heck you are. Like, where do you live? What do you do for a living? Yeah. Um, Well, Brian and I met in in Minneapolis, which is where I'm from, uh, born and raised. And I am a worship leader and a recording artist. Mm -hmm. Um, And we met at church 30 years ago when we were both on the worship team and in the choir Mm -hmm. together. That's totally right. Tell us just a little bit about your music. I just want to hear about you before we hear all about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do kind of a, a hybrid of gospel and, and jazz. Yep. Uh, I write about my faith quite a bit. Um, I enjoy co-writing uh, and um, kind of just interpreting my, my life uh, in, in song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I do a lot of singing. It's, it's my full-time 
career. And that was a big, uh, that was a big uh, cross section of our lives too for mm-hmm. a season. You I were also a recording artist. Yeah, wrote song. songs and yeah, little known fact. So yeah, yeah. So Brian, um, we're gonna talk about you know that that transition in the in the thirty years that um, we've known each other. But before then, tell tell us about growing up in Indiana. Tell yeah. us about your family and chapter one. Yeah, chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I grew up in Indiana, uh, youngest of three boys, definitely mama's boy, mm-hmm. um, pretty happy kid, active, creative, um, then middle school hit mm. <laughs> that, that was a, a big part of my story that I'm sure middle school has been traumatic for a lot of us, but yep. definitely experienced a lot of bullying you know, in my life, specifically around being gay, you know, when I didn't even know what the heck that was, Mm. you know, everyone knew about that before I did. Um, I would imagine that it's just, I just didn't fit, you know, some stereotypes, didn't really feel like I fit in with the boys. And so that's how I got tagged, you know, and that's where I really learned to hide, Mm. you know. Um, But interestingly, not all of my that age period was unsafe. We talked about this last night. Yeah, church. Yeah, church was a safer haven for me. It was an act. That was the refuge for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I learned early on that it's about having a relationship with God and Jesus, not just doing all the right stuff, you know. And that made sense to me as a kid. He felt like a friend and a confidant, like a safe place. Mm. Uh, my gifts came alive. Like that's where I learned about that I was good at music, and mm-hmm. so interestingly, church was a lot safer haven for me than the the school halls. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Which, if you really think about it, seems like it's how it should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not everybody's experience. Yeah. Um, but that 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 seems right to me. Yeah. That it was a refuge. And then I. Somewhere in there, you know, good old puberty kicked in and I started recognizing that I like boys more than girls and didn't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, did, it, did your church know that? Um, did the people around you did, you, did you reveal that to anyone or did you just sort of keep that inside? I kept that inside for mm-hmm. sure. And that was, a, that was an interesting thing of looking back to at my story because I'm like, if I could have talked to my 15-year-old self... It was just such a strange um, separation of thinking about my relationship with Jesus because Jesus felt so safe to me. Mm-hmm. Yet for some reason, right around 15, when I started wondering about that, I just didn't feel like God could handle that. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk to God about that mm-hmm. at all. you know. And it was really the first time that I sort of had a splinter of, of my relationship with God and who I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in... I didn't really do a whole lot about it in high school. I just knew that it was going on. In college, I explored that a little bit. I explored um, being gay. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, I had this uh, conflict Mm. with my faith and my Mm -hmm. relationship with God. And I didn't feel like I could talk to God about it. And the only messages that I had around me was that this was not an option. It's gay or God, Mm. you know, and didn't feel safe to talk about it with anybody. Um, it just really was a very private struggle, you know, private battle. 
So when we met then yeah. uh, in the early 90s yeah, yeah. at Church of the Open Door mm-hmm. uh, in Minnesota, um, you had already, uh, thinking that you had to choose between gay and God, yep. you had chosen God. God, yeah. And I, I mean, for me, it just, there was no choice. I, I didn't feel obligated. I don't think it was out of fear. You know, I just had this close relationship with God and mm. it just wasn't an option for me. I just missed my relationship with God. And so I felt like, okay, if that's my choice, then I'm choosing God. And so I went down a path of just not being gay, not, not acting on it per mm-hmm. se, you know, but I don't think I was, when you met me mm-hmm. now, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you met me, like that was kind of part of my story, right? Did not yes. share that. You did share that with. I called it same sex attraction back then. Well, I'm yeah. still, I still have same sex attraction. I'm just, I'm okay with saying I'm right. gay now. But <laughs> back then it was, I, I, I wore that on my sleeve, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah. How did that, it's interesting. <laughs> like, I wonder why I did now thinking back, but it was important. I guess it was important for me to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Even if I wasn't cool with being gay and didn't have that figured out with God, it was important for me for people to know that that was a part of who I was. Yeah. 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 I um, I had had some experiences with other uh, other people that I grew up with that had that had come out, um, and very few, um, in fact, uh, none remained in in church. And and at that time in my life. Everything I did revolved around the church. Right. So I I was uh, I I worked at a job, but my whole life <laughs> was my sure. all of my friends mm-hmm. and uh, and I was I was learning to be a worship leader. I was I was getting a ton of experience singing. Mm-hmm. So um, it was my whole world. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, we were at a church that was um, that that very much encouraged sort of introspection and honesty about what we struggled with. Yep, totally. <laughs> um, and, and, and that there was grace for that. Uh, and there was um, acceptance for you to be authentically who you are. Yes. Um, at that point, um, you, uh, you were saying that was part of your story, but you weren't, yep. you weren't gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think around you, uh, me included, I, um, I accepted that that was your decision. That was my story. Yeah. And I don't know, honestly, I don't know how I would have reacted if that wasn't right. at if, the time. If I was at a point where I was. Because I was this. working under those paradigms of. Right. Um, or those those teachings that I had heard yep. that this wasn't um, this wasn't okay. And I was like a hero. I, I was like a hero because I quote unquote left the gay lifestyle. Yes, you know. Yeah, and you were an example yeah. of of oh yeah redemption. And and I, I, you know, maybe I like the limelight around that, but hmm. I think it was it allowed me to at least be authentic to that part of my story and being. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's another example of how church was safe yeah. for me, just like growing up, like it was a haven, like people accepted me. I didn't have all that stuff figured out. And I, I don't think I just got acceptance because I was the poster child from leaving the gay lifestyle. I think people genuinely received me and understood 
I had good confidants that I could talk about when it wasn't so easy, mm-hmm. you know, like that was a good, the church was, and it just makes me think because so many, and you'll hear this in the next episode about LGBTQ plus stories in the church, but wow, I think I'm kind of the exception to the rule, mm-hmm. you know, like so much, whew, just a lot of hurt and wounding we did a, a, a research study uh, before I started writing uh, the, the Making Things Right paper because I felt like if I could sort of gather some stories, mm. um, it would help our empathy, you know, with the community and to humanize the issue, if you will. And I was just taken aback by the level of unresolved hurt and anger at God because of experiences in the church. So mm. A, I'm really grateful and fortunate that I didn't have those experiences. Mm. I maybe saw the best of how the church could be, Mm. but B, I recognize it's not the norm. Yeah. 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 So you walked through, we we had this amazing friends group. We, Oh my um, gosh. We sang and, um, uh, made music together and, and hung out and went on retreats and, it was, it was, we had the best of friends. It like was we, a really great group of people. Oh my yes. gosh. Like we were all just so, like, we were just so fortunate. And then they all got married. Yes. And we didn't. <laughs> and we did it. <laughs> so chapter two. Chapter two starts with Brian and Sarah being single. Being single and everyone yeah. else got married and right. had kids. But seriously, that really was a big. It was a big deal transition, I think a lot of why I was content in my choice to not be gay or whatever was because I had such great friends and confidants, my close guy friends, you know, you're even saying last night too. And I wasn't like super close with these guy friends with some ulterior motive because I thought they were hot, you know, like it wasn't that at all. Like it was good. No, these were brothers. Yeah. They were brothers. Yeah. But the thirties hit and Everyone started getting married and having kids, and mm-hmm. here you and I were. And you're less of a priority. Yeah, and I did. I definitely, when I look back, like that really was a start of a bit of a turning point for me because I felt a little left behind. Mm-hmm. It was nobody's fault per mm-hmm. se. It just was life, it was dynamics. Well, and you had, you know, I, I remember, you know, you you were you were, you were dating women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Intentionally, just like, hey, we're, I'm, I'm going for a this. A couple of rock stars. Like, yeah. we had really great, close relationships. Like, I was like, hmm, I think I could maybe make this work. You know, like, mm-hmm. it was authentic. But you couldn't. But I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like I could always kind of get to the 20-yard line, but I just couldn't get it across the goal line. I don't know. I just, I didn't, I couldn't muster up a vision for marriage. And it doesn't seem like that's something you're supposed to muster. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and both, uh, not both. I said both because I think of two particular women that were just phenomenal parts of my story. I mean, I still quote both of them. <laughs> yeah, big part of my story. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, those relationships were very authentic. They knew what they were getting into. Mm. They knew about my story and my struggles mm. and my genuine love for them mm-hmm. and curiosity if we could make this work. So it really was, at the end of the day, a mutual decision that I didn't that we didn't move forward in both those relationships. Yeah, because you know? they wanted something authentic too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember like um, I also remember like in sort of that transition period in my thirties that I really a really good outlet for my sexuality um, was having healthy gay friends. 
Hmm. I'd never kind of let myself do that before. You know, like Hmm. I think there was probably this taboo of like, oh, slippery slope, like you hang out with the gays and you'll end up in the bars, you know, like it was this... (laughs) I was, was so Minnesotan, Brian. I was, you just said. Sorry. I in the bars. In the bars. <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was this sort of stereotype that I probably even subscribed to that like, well, you know, I I can't go there because I'm just gonna, you know, destroy my life. And in my 30s, hopefully I matured a little bit and said, well, that's kind of ridiculous. And I started meeting some wonderful, healthy gay friends who had faith and experiences and and particularly um a couple that uh i introduced you to yes. i i didn't actually realize that dan I and dennis introduced them to to we you. were planning ahead of time saying whose names should we say or not say we're saying dan and dennis because they're just <laughs> like rock stars but long time uh, uh just a, a healthy couple yes um beautiful story so great uh, but you met them first i did you forgot that yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, it was, you were at a concert or a I performance. Was, I was doing a concert. Um, Dennis was, uh, the, I, I had a coworker that um, shared a house with Dan and Dennis. Yep, yep. And they came to one of my shows yep. and Dennis, the sort of go-getter that he is, totally. came up to me with a card and said, I need to help you with your marketing. Yeah. And <laughs> for anyone that knows Dennis, they're just like laughing yes, right now. Yes, of course he did. Yeah. And so you started I, like these marketing planning meetings with right. Them and, yeah. and I invited you at You're one like, point. You're like, you gotta meet these guys. And you were also at that point um, trying to market your your music. Yes, and, yes. And so it felt like, hey, well, you should meet. Yeah. You Mark- should meet marketing these guys. guy. Yeah. And then you know, just a friendship started. Yeah. We just um, became. They were kind of like my big gay brothers in some yeah. ways. And I just got to see something that was healthy and good. And, and I think unknowingly, I was really crying out hmm. for an outlet to be authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really, I wouldn't yeah. have admitted that to myself at the time, but yeah. it was an outlet for me to, wow, you know, this is what I want, you yeah. know, to have a relationship like this, even though I probably in the early days of that friendship, I couldn't admit that to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were just such a good guy. They still are. Oh my goodness! I mean, we we still talk all the time. And then through Dan and Dennis, yes, you were introduced um, to a relationship. A relationship. Yes, yeah. yes. So I long story. Well, not long story short. Long story medium. Uh, <laughs> I um, I met a guy, um, and interestingly, it wasn't someone I had met before. You recall I was talking about I kind of explored, you know, being gay uh, in college, um, but then I decided that wasn't my path, um, and I had dated this fella back then, hmm. and so I run into him, you know, 15 years later, like softball or something. Yes, right? yes, it yeah. was at a softball yeah. game, and he was across <laughs> the field. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is that you know who? <laughs> and I couldn't remember his name, and he came uh-huh. over, and he remembered me entirely, and. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember he invited, he goes, well, come out with the guys after and like have a beer after the softball game. And I did. And I remember sitting across from him saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dating a woman. Mm. And he's like, really? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, How's here's, that working? here's my number. Give me a call if you want, you know. And, you know, next thing I knew, I, um, I had connected with him and I really fell in love, mm-hmm. you know, and I really hadn't planned on that happening. <laughs> Yeah. And 
I think it really forced me to have to, um, that was really the beginning of my crossroads, I would say, if I had one. Mm-hmm. You know, I really kind of had to put my big boy pants on with God mm. and have new conversations. Yeah. Because I was so back and forth with this relationship. Yeah. And a lot of it was because, it was funny, we were joking on the couch last night that this guy kind of was a jerk. Uh, and he kind of was. But I was kind of a jerk too. Yeah. Because I was so torn yeah. that I would be with him and connect and try to you know, engage like you would a new relationship where you're interested in each other. And, I, and then I, you know, three weeks later go, I can't talk to you. And I disappear for like a month. And then I yeah. come back and I, all this back and forth. And he experienced the brunt of that. Um, but it, but really that was the catalyst for me to have to wrestle with God in a whole new way. Yeah, You're contending now with yes. your own heart. Yep. And I, <sighs> it was messy. I mean, I, I, to no credit to myself, I wrestled like that in this relationship and with God for the better part of two years. Mm. Um, but, um, as far as my wrestling with God goes, that was needed. Mm-hmm. This catalyst was needed for me to really go there with God. And, yeah. and I, and I wrestled with him like, cause he knew, he knew that I wanted to do the right thing. He knew I was torn. He, he knew I didn't want to make the Bible versus say what I wanted. So I had permission. Like I wanted truth. I yeah. wanted, I didn't just want his tolerance. I wanted his blessing. Like I, I needed to preserve our close relationship. Um, so how did you find it? Yeah. How did you, how did you get there? I mean, it was such a process. The Bible was part of it for me. Yeah. Um, and I, it kind of had this new sense of urgency to have to make sense of the Bible around Mm -hmm. this. And my whole relationship isn't based on the Bible. The Bible is very important to me. I have an experiential relationship with God as well, Mm. but I believe in the Bible and I had to, you know, I wanted to try to make sense of that. And I, I remember diving into kind of the, the particular verses that talk about, you know, homosexuality and if that's okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and looking at different perspectives and cult and it just, that wasn't working for me at all. That wasn't helping me reconcile my faith and my sexuality with God. Well, and if I can just interject for Please. a moment, when we would talk about this during that time, that's the stuff I wanted to know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it it I, seems like where you go. You have to contend with that. Yep. I, I thought that was the solution yep, yep, yep. To, to, to debate it, to disprove it, to prove it. Now um, you're good. Yeah. yeah. Once, we, once we get that settled, you know, once we know that we're right. Yep. Um, and we're on the right side yep. of it because we have the evidence. Or not. The, then, yep. then we have peace. Yeah. Because. Yep. And because if you don't, then that. you stay on this side. Yeah. Right. And I just guess I realized it wasn't nearly as black and white as most things aren't. And, but and you went to a different place. I did. And I, I feel like God did that. I, I know he did. Like yeah. when I was doing this deep study on these seven verses and all the historical context and being increasingly frustrated, I just really felt like God say, come on over here. <laughs> and I, I, I did a study on the book of John, you know, which is one of the four gospels. And I think I picked that one because it always had this reputation of being kind of um, the most heartfelt kind of rendering of the gospel, you know? And I walked through and observed the life of Jesus with whole new eyes. 
And this was not my doing. Like, this was totally a God thing. I, I still have my notes. I should have pulled them up last night and showed mm. them to you. But mm. I still have my notes of when I did that study. No, I believe you. Pages I and pages. That with Book of John, too. And pages yeah. of watching Jesus and what he did and what he didn't do and who he talked to and who he didn't talk to and how he made salvation so simple, you know, not complicated and his constant defense of the outcast and how the only people that ticked him off were the religious folks that made people feel outcast. And I just, I, I learned in a whole new way, the heart of God and the heart of the gospel. And somewhere in the midst of that process, yeah. I felt deep in my being, God saying, we're good. We're good, Brian. Mm-hmm. We're good here. You don't have to have this all figured out as much as you think. Trust me. Trust us. Trust the us you've known since you were seven years old. It's the same thing. And I just felt this. It's funny. People ask me when I came out. I never know how to answer that question. But if I had to point to some point, it was here. Mm. Because I felt like God released me. He, He released me to stop staring at my navel and trying to fix my sexuality or fix myself, to look up, to look out, to be me, Hmm. to go serve people and... Well, and to accept the radical love that God has for you. Yes. That is, that that springs out of that story in John. Mm -hmm. Like John is full of, of the incredible radical heart of God yep. for people. Yep. And you, you, you take it to John 3.16, which is a verse that almost everyone knows. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall be saved and have yes, eternal yes. life. God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, mm-hmm. but that the world through him might be saved. Yes, yes, yes. That, Preach it! That is a radical concept that we have a really hard time fully accepting. Yeah, and accepting it as the foundation. And even like verses that came alive for me outside of that in that season was like, nothing can separate us. And it's just the heart of God and the heart of the gospel. And so that was my, that was my release. You know, Mm. that's where my wrestling concluded. Love was your release. Huh? God's love was your release. Yeah, yeah. And it was, but you know, so I guess that's when chapter three happened, right? Like I, I said, are we okay, in chapter three, we are. That was chapter two. That was so, the crossroads. I'm sorry but, for my like, chapter analogy. It works I, for me. I feel like though there's this, this. So there's the release. Yeah. yeah. But then there's <laughs> reconciling. Like you, you've got, you've got God now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, me and God are good. But now you've got your family. Yeah, my friends. And you've got your friends. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you, you have now invested in uh, a new group of friends Mm -hmm. um, and you have a relationship with your family that's been established for a long time. Maybe they don't know this whole process. And all my church or current church friends Mm -hmm. and my family understand me under the story of a different story in my faith and sexuality. So for sure, when I, when I, when I left that proverbial crossroads and started heading down this new path, I was you know, scarily putting one step in front of the other. I knew that I had to not just reconcile with God now, but like with people (laughs) and to be authentic and to start. And I didn't know how to do that. I was entirely uncertain. I just knew that I was compelled to go down this path, that we were good. I had that behind me, you know? 
but it started with, I mean, I just, I, I had a friend, um, a, an old mentor of mine that taught me the definition of integrity from his take. And I've always kept it hmm. all parts touching, hmm. you know? And I said, for me to be authentic and to have integrity now with my family and my friends, I am going to have to let them know that God and I came to a new conclusion about this. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do it at first, so I just started letting my worlds collide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was messy for sure, but and we remembered examples of that, like the party at my condo. Before we get to the party, oh, what do you want first? I want I want to know um, I want to know how you told your your parents. Yes, yes, yes. And you, it's so funny. Like I I'm such a prep freak, and I had all my notes about this. And Sarah's like, "What about your mom and dad?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was like a huge part of the story." And I do believe that they were probably, they were one of the first ones that I'd reached out to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my parents, uh, my dad retired early. Um, they lived in Anna Maria Island, Florida. If you don't know where that is, it's this great little mm. island south of Tampa. I don't think you ever took me there, but I'm not bitter. Yeah. <laughs> you should have. Oh my gosh. Mm. Dick and Stephanie, Richard and Stephanie Nitzel. Anyways, I love them. Um, <clears throat> and so anyways, my... Uh, so I went down to visit with my parents with the, the plan to, to tell dad. Yeah. And I was going to tell dad first. and Because uh, he was safer. Yeah, he was safer on this topic. Maybe a little. My mom was yeah. pretty, and pretty vested into my, my previous story about how to address my faith and my sexuality, as well as my girlfriends. Right. Very much hoping. <laughs> I, think, I think I was factored in there to like, why don't you just, you, well, and, Sarah, you and Sarah, she's single. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so one morning, uh, my mom would, my mom and I would tend to sleep in, but my, every once in a while I'd get up early and I'd go out to this great little cafe on the beach to have breakfast with my dad. And here's where I was going to tell dad. Mm. And, and, and again, none of this was entirely new. They knew that I had struggled with same-sex attraction. So what I was telling them is that I had come to a new conclusion and that I was at peace with this, with God, and yeah. it was going to be different. And so we had this breakfast and dad's paying the bill. And you know, I kept avoiding the subject. And finally, we're about to get up from the table. I'm like, okay, dad, wait, I have something I have to tell you. <laughs> I've just been chickening out to this point or whatever I said. And I basically just told him, you know, um, uh, of where I was at and this kind of wrestling match that I've had for the last couple of years and even this crappy relationship that I was in that I knew that I needed to get out of. And yeah. not because it was bad because it was gay, but because he was a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Which, yes, we did all know that. Yes, yes. And, uh, and I was a jerk too, remember? I remember you were I a jerk know. as well, but let's... Anyways. And, uh, and my dad looked at me like any good father great father would. And I can remember this. I have a crappy memory and I remember this like it was yesterday. Mm. And he just said, Brian, I trust you. Like you've become a good man. You love God more than I do. Who am I? He said, if you can get up every day and look in the mirror and know that you're doing what's right, I'm good. I'm in. Mm. Now, the only problem is your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was the quickest conversation with dad, but we knew, we both knew mom was the challenge. Yeah. And because of why, of what I said, like she was really vested and, um, we didn't tell mom for a couple of months. Mm. I say we, because my dad helped me tell mom, (laughs) Yeah. but it opened up this whole new relationship with my dad 
Mm. And uh, and he's a pretty stoic, private guy. But man, if you need to talk about something, he'll show up in two seconds. Like that's who he was. And he mm. knew that I needed him. Mm. So it just opened up a whole new mm. uncomfortable dialogue for him that he was all in because I needed it. Yeah. And uh, emails and phone calls and stuff. And, and one day, a few months after we had that breakfast conversation on the beach, he printed off an email and he took it over to my mom. I said, I think you need to read this. Mm. That, that was, he like did the work for me. I didn't ask him to, but it mm-hmm. was just the right thing. And uh, that didn't go so well. That mm-hmm. wasn't like the, the, the Oceanside breakfast conversation with dad. Yeah. <laughs> it was entirely the opposite. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I, did I tell you about that at the time and how all that went or? Um, no, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> well, I just remembered, like, that's probably why you were curious last night about mom and dad. But she immediately, which is so weird because mom and I are so close and she trusts me in my relationship with God too and all of that. But she just entirely reacted to that. Like, who do you think you are? And, mm. you know, you've been a, a hypocrite and, mm. you know, don't you know you're going to not be saved now? And I, and thankfully mm. in the moments of those initial conversations, um, in hindsight, God was protecting my heart, I think, because I just knew this wasn't my mom, mm. you know? So for some reason it didn't wound me as much as it could have. Yeah. Um, but she just completely reacted because it just upended so many things for her, for her. Yeah. Her plan for me, her, our, our mutually vested interest in how the right way to honor God with my sexuality was, which has yeah. been the story for years. Yeah. So we, we had a couple of months of back and forth of it wasn't pretty. And we eventually just had to agree to disagree. Hmm. And we didn't talk about it again for 10 years. Ten years. We talked. Yeah. Well, you had a very close relationship with her. But Um, that moment redefined our relationship because all of a sudden she just wasn't safe anymore Yep. for that part of me. And I had to edit out that part of my life Mm. with mom. And Mm. that's something that if she was sitting here today, I know she would say she regrets. Yeah. But it just was what it was. So you revealed to your family and then how, how did you approach revealing to, to my friends, your, your other friends, especially like my church friends that kind of knew church friends, the yeah. first story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not the new Who, one. Maybe we, we didn't see as often. Right. Uh, you and I remained close. Yep. Um, and I remained close and still do with, with many of, of, of those people. Those folks, mm-hmm. of course, I live in the same state as they yes, yes. as they do now, and you don't. But um, and you stayed single like me, so we were like bachelors <laughs> to the rapture. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I <laughs> I didn't think about this until last night when we were talking. But like this this party, I don't even remember what the context. If it was a birthday, right, or if. You know, you had just bought a condo and did you, was I probably house made up warming? just so I could for the first time <laughs> invite all my worlds into the same Oof. room without oh, keeping yeah. them separate. And including this relationship that you were in at the time. Yes. Yep. Yep. 
which was a little controversial. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously because it was a, you know, another man, but then. And it became really clear that we were together. Yeah. And I didn't, and I probably didn't do it very well. I just did it the best I could. I didn't warn people in advance. I just invited them to my home and was more authentic in this relationship in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. (laughs) How did that go? (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? Um, Probably good and bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that night, of course, you know, wonderful and awkward all at the same time, mostly of the latter. Um, but it was needed Mm -hmm. and it spurred conversations. Yeah. It spurred reactions. Mm. Um, it, it, of all kinds, you Mm -hmm. know, my, my, um, anything surprise you in, in reactions that were, that were of all kinds? You know, we know that there's there's some that that were like that kind of felt duped by the whole thing. Totally, and, yeah. There was one particular up. mutual friend that really reached out to me and really felt duped, um, and I loved engaging her on that conversation because mm. I I'm sure I would have admitted right away, I'm not saying I did this right. I'm just saying I have to start being authentic now. Mm-hmm. I have no choice. Yeah, and it it really it created a much deeper. Uh, relationship between, and we were never super duper close friends, mm-hmm. but she needed to engage me on this. And at first yeah. she was really mad. Uh, and then eventually she took ownership of her own part of it and we mm-hmm. talked through it. And, yeah. th- you know, these were multiple conversations, of course, but it that sounds was, so adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there were others like, remember the, the brotherhood that I talked mm-hmm. about before? Mm-hmm. And that was literally what you called it. The, the brotherhood. brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. We were like yeah. a cult. <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't. A few um, scary brotherhoods in the world. Yeah, but we were the best band of brothers. We just had each other's backs. And a couple of them in particular just were like my mom were so vested in my previous story that they couldn't see it. And they yeah. really felt like it was their job to let me know that I was definitely going down the wrong path. Mm. And I sort of had to leave those friendships behind, mm. you know, and um, I, I guess everybody can't agree with you, you mm. know, that that was sort of the cost, I guess, mm. of, of that. And I even thought when we were thinking about this story, like, I wonder if I didn't, I don't know, I don't have many regrets in life, but I think back to those couple of guys in particular who just aren't at all a part of my life now. Mm. And that's okay. Some friendships are for seasons, but I was deep with those folks, yeah. like like you. You know, those were friends that I thought I would have lifetime friendships right. with. And I just, it just makes me wonder. I don't have a plan, but I just wonder if and how I could come back around to them in the season that I'm in. Maybe to be like the story with my mom, which I didn't finish the story with my mom, so maybe we mm-hmm. can. Yeah. Remember how I said we didn't talk about it? It again for 10 years. Yeah, we'll go there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if maybe this could be how it is with them. Like maybe they had... Maybe my, they come around to you, Brian. Right. You know, maybe it's not you having... Maybe to- they have things going on in their life that... Like it's not all about me. <laughs> you know, like I could mm-hmm. be really surprised that maybe they aren't yeah. um, where they were at back then. Yeah. But just to like talk about my mom, flipping around her a little bit, but yeah. she didn't... So remember, like she reacted like they reacted and we didn't Mm -hmm. talk about it again for 10 years. Mm. The reason we talked about it was 
because I was in a very significant relationship at the time. Mm. Um, and I, and I really felt like, wow, I think this one could work out, you know, mm. it didn't. Um, and it's okay because now I'm with the most wonderful man ever, which we have to talk about before we're done Agreed. talking. Thank you. Yes. Um, but, uh, who just like made us this most amazing breakfast, <laughs> But with my mom, so so same thing. It was sort of like the beachside conversation with my dad. It was just 10 years later, right? Mm-hmm. And I flew her uh, down to Atlanta and uh, we were hanging out for the whole weekend. And then, of course, an hour before I have to take her to her flight, I'm like, all right, mom, I have to talk to you about something. I don't know why I'm such a chicken with stuff. <laughs> I just save stuff to the last possible minute. Anyways, probably because it gives you a back end time of like, okay, we got to go now. <laughs> but I just put it out there to her. You know, I just said, well, mom, um, I'm in a relationship now and it's Mm. kind of a big deal Mm. and I want you to know. And she said something like, oh, is that, is that the fellow over there in the picture? Bring that over. Mm. Oh, he's handsome. What a nice, what a nice looking young man. How did you meet him? (laughs) I tell her, and is he a Christian? I said, oh yeah, he loves Jesus. Oh, that's wonderful. Tell me more. And then after a few minutes, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Time out here. (laughs) Time out, Stephanie. (laughs) Who are you and what did you do with my mother? (laughs) And uh, long story short, I just said, mom, remember that conversation we had 10 years ago? And she's like, no, what? Like, you know, Mm. selective mom memory, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. But she remembered a little. But eventually I just let that go and came around and I said, what changed for you? Mm. And she told me what changed for her. Um, her husband got in previous years, over that 10 year period, mm. her kind of perfect little Christian life had some really difficult circumstances. Mm. Um, she got diagnosed with breast cancer and soon after got diagnosed with Parkinson's. Mm. Her husband of over 50 years mm. got diagnosed with uh, ALS. Mm-hmm. And from diagnosis to death was 13 months. And she was about a year on the other side of that. Yeah. And her, pers- her picture of a fairy tale God got well, crushed real quick. All of the good behavior that, yeah. that contributes to God's blessing. Right. That's, the, that's, that's what the she philosophy. always thought. That's what a lot of us think. Like yeah. Yeah. you love God and you do the right thing. He blesses you. And if yeah. you don't, you don't. And then people don't get sick and people don't die and people right. are gay. Right, and people aren't gay, yeah. <laughs> or they overcome it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so she just, in her own way, said, "You know, I don't believe that God anymore. I believe this God now." But it, it just sort of, it was her way of sort of letting her faith and her perspective of what's right and God crumble. And what emerged was just a much simpler, innocent heart about God and about me. Mm. And she didn't put it in dad's words, but basically said the same thing. I trust you. You love God. When do I get to meet him? And it was just the craziest experience because she had all these changes go on in her heart over that 10 years that I didn't even know about. But there it was. Huge part of my story. Yeah. And so it just kind of makes me wonder about my friends. Maybe I'll call them up. We'll see. I hope I, you know, this is such a two-way street, Brian. You know, like 
they maybe they'll call you. Yeah. I hope so. I walking this road with you. And we're going to get to the third chapter pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> this is all kind of the third chapter. <laughs> was it? All right. I, I don't know. It doesn't really fit it's a, with don't, my, it's fine. my order. I think but, they get it. I hope so. <laughs> walking this this road with you, um, I, um, I've had to contend with these things too because yeah. I did. Um, because I couldn't just... Uh, it, whenever you put a face and a human to something, um, and, and add in love and support, you can't just ignore it. Mm -hmm. And if you have any sort of desire to be, uh, truly authentic or truly loving, you can't just turn the other way. You Mm -hmm. have to contend with those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you made me do that Mm -hmm. because I loved you so much and I wanted you to be whole, mm-hmm. whatever that meant for you, mm-hmm. and whatever I was taught uh, or or had firmly held in my belief, mm-hmm. um, I had to I had to go. I had to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so grateful. Me too. That God put you <laughs> in my life. Oh. That too. For that purpose. And that you stayed and that you chose. Well, there was, I didn't, it wasn't a choice. Yeah. It wasn't. It just was, this is, this, I, if anyone chose it, it's God chose it. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah. So today. So what's going on today? I know. You moved. Maybe that's chapter three. You, you left me and moved <laughs> to Atlanta. I did. Yeah. I moved. I always vowed I'd never move for a job, and I'm I did. I'm crying. I, I said yesterday when I watched these podcasts that I would have Kleenex nearby. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't. laughs> oh, oh, well. That's all right. I, I'm gonna, it's really good. I'm going to get up and get... A Are paper you, towel. All right, to wipe your eyes. Yes. Right. Well, I'll start talking about today, but keep like, keep talking about today. Don't go far. Today. Well, it is interesting how this whole like, um, it really has only been, I guess it's been the better part of ten years since that turning point for me, maybe even fifteen. And a lot of it is, I just, I always felt compelled to keep one foot in the conservative Christian world and one foot in the LGBTQ plus community. Like I didn't yeah. change that. Like I had such a passion and a heart for God, kind of patience for folks. And I don't know, I just, it was, I felt, and that isn't true for a lot of LGBTQ plus folks. Cause if they've been really hurt and wounded in the church, they probably need to not go to church for a while or to at least find a much safer environment that's church faith related. For me, that wasn't the case. I didn't experience a lot of wounding. And so I sort of had some, patience to live in that tension, if you will. Um, and I wouldn't have called it this at the time, but now I have such a, you know, it's sort of the spirit of making things right, you know, mm. as I want to help uh, folks that maybe have a little more of a conservative mindset, but are tired of this debate yeah, and, and want to lean into how can we promote healing and a homecoming for LGBTQ plus folks with God? Like yeah. we can actually be a part of that because we were a part of the problem, you know? Mm. And I think there's a lot of people that are really open to that. And so I, I love that tension and I 
And there were, there were a lot of catalysts for that. I, I was thinking back to a couple of key relationships in the early days mm. where I started forming sort of my voice and my vision or mission, if you will. There was this wonderful woman, Kathy Jones, I think that was her last name, from Upper Room, wonderful little church. A church in Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and uh, it wasn't the church that you and I went to for years, but it was a new kind of smaller space that I went to. And they were they were a little more progressive, but they were still pretty conservative. And and I got to know one of the leaders there, and she really was trying to think of how their church could respond the right way to LGBTQ plus individuals in the church, and not making it an issue, but uh, but about you know humanity, you know, mm-hmm. a person, and what what what's our job here? And so she took me to lunch all the time. And she had asked me questions and I'd, Mm. you know, kind of coach her, but she'd coach me. And that really started developing, you know, some of my points of view of maybe how I could help conservative folks think about this in a more productive way. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Marin was huge too. He was, if you don't know him, he's a great author. You should check him out. Um, He wrote a book called Love as an Orientation back then. Mm. I mean, just that title speaks for itself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Some straight guy, you know, that just came from a very conservative perspective. And he really, from his experiences, saw how when we sort of elevate the conversation above this debate, like Mm. what redemption can happen for people. Yeah. And I remember driving down to Chicago and going to a gay pride parade. And he, uh, we all stood, uh, you know, uh, at one part of the uh, parade with signs that just says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the church has hurt you. I'm sorry that I judged you. And all these people had all these reactions to us, like some yelled at us and some cried and hugged us and others just looked in disbelief. And I saw this model of how how you could do a simple thing to help undo some of the hurt. Hmm. Um, and those are just kind of some early influences to kind of bring me to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah, your story has made you... Um an authority, Mm. um, in, in how you, and given you integrity in how you speak of this and Mm. made you a bridge. Mm. And I love, yeah, I just, I love that work. And I don't even, and I, you know, a lot of people have a little more of an activist approach on this one. And I, I can't even say that that's wrong. Like sometimes you need people to rile things up to make change. I prefer to have patience um, because I think that there's a lot of folks that are tired Mm. and that would love to promote healing and right some wrongs all in the context of hanging on to their faith. And I think it's Mm. 100% doable. I think it's wonderful too to just to, to be able to say to those that that are broken and have um, experienced that disappointment that your mother did yes. in in, um, in how we were taught and and to believe about how God how God blesses um, mm. and and the sort of works based mm-hmm. um, philosophy of <laughs> of um, of relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get to those broken places and maybe even some are listening today, um, putting the pieces back together, Mm -hmm. it's okay to, um, to 
question how that all works. How that all works. Yeah. <laughs> no easy task. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but on the back end of that process can be something really beautiful and life-giving. Well, and you are a, a, an example of that. And so is your mom. And so is my mom. <laughs> yeah. So let's end with talking about the best part. Okay. Which is? I don't know. Dan. <laughs> Dan. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. You're getting uh, married in I'm two months. I'm getting married. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's the type of thing that woke me up in cold sweats. <laughs> but I guess it's the ultimate, okay, I guess I trust God. Um, mm. But really, it's not. I mean, I say that in jest, but I remember back to the fears that held me mm. from being who I am fully for almost 40 years of my life. Mm. And they're a big deal mm. because I didn't want to get this wrong. Yeah. That's, it just felt too risky. And now that I'm on the other side of understanding grace and God differently about these things, marrying Dan feels like the most natural thing in the world. Mm. You know, he's such a good dude. Met him a little over three years ago. And we just, we just look out for each other mm. and take care of each other. And I mean, you see it. And I, I feel respected. It's funny, in my journal, uh, I at the, at the top of my journal... This is actually my vows, which is secret. He doesn't know what my vows are, and he's downstairs, so I have to be quiet. But um, uh, I, at the top of my journal, I wrote truths for me to... I'm a journaler. You know, that's how I connect with God. And I open up my journal. But at the very front of my journal are these truths that I've had written there for over 15 years. And they change a little bit over time, but they're pretty much all the same. Hmm. And it reminds me of core truths of who I am and what I need. Hmm. And it starts with, God, I am your son. You are my father. You are my close brother. And you are my best friend and my first love. Mm. And I need relationship. Mm. And, and it was about both romantic or platonic if, when I form these things. It's yeah. about, I have the same values in my relationship with you. Yeah. And I read out and I wrote out like seven or eight or nine characteristics that are the most important to me in relationships that I really give my heart to, mm -hmm. like loyalty and mutual engagement mm -hmm. and chemistry, but mm -hmm. chemistry in the broadest sense of the mm -hmm. term, you know, although Dan and I have good chemistry, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. we fit, we have yeah. a rhythm together yeah. and we trust each other and we don't put our crap on each other. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't do that hundred percent of the time, but generally speaking, that's what I need in my safe relationships with. Mm -hmm. And literally since day one, that's how Dan and I have treated each other. Mm. So, so I guess I'm going to grow old and gray with him. <laughs> what do you think about that, Sarah? I, I think that sounds like a good idea. I like Dan a lot. <laughs> and you're going to sing in the wedding? I am. Who knew? Who would have thought I know, when we, we met that you'd be singing in my wedding? Well, if I wasn't <laughs> singing in your wedding, I'd be really mad. <laughs> You know what I mean. I mean, you really, you, uh, it, yeah, it, I would, I'm excited about it. Well, thank you for today. It wasn't nearly as scary as I thought it would be. It was good. Yeah. I hope so. Love you, Brian. Love you too, Sarah. Brian Nitzel is an author, speaker, and thought leader. To learn more, visit briannitzel.com or follow him on Instagram at Brian Nitzel. <laughs>